0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and founder of Schmidt's Naturals, Jamie Schmidt. Uh, her new book is Supermaker Crafting Business on Your Own Terms. Jamie Schmidt tells the story of her foundling and growing Schmidt's Naturals with tangible business advice for creators and entrepreneurs looking to scale their own passion projects. In the process of scaling from her kitchen to acquisition by Unilever in 2017 with her husband Chris Cantino, she inadvertently led a movement of modern brands bringing naturals to the mainstream. She's now co founder of the investment firm Color, co founder of the business media company Supermaker, and focuses her efforts towards helping emerging entrepreneurs. Uh, She's been recognized by Ernst & Young, Pacific Northwest Entrepreneur of the Year, Female Founders 100, and twice by Goldman Sachs, 100 Most Intriguing Entrepreneurs. Her story has been covered by Forbes, Fast Company, Fox News, NBC, Will & Good, and more. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Jamie. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Well, first question is where do you get all this creativity? Where did you get all this creativity and this energy and this ability to be this like super entrepreneur? Where does it come from?
1: Gosh, I, I had to dig deep for it. Um I really there was a whole journey of of getting there and discovering, you know, what my my passion and my purpose was. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, you know, I had a a very I guess typical Midwestern family. Um Went to Michigan State University for my undergrad. I chose business as my major because I didn't know what else to choose, and my brother had gone down that route, so I kind of copied him. Um, and then next thing you know, I graduated with a degree in business, and I'm out in the real world and, and hustling to find a job. Um, I ended up working um, at the MacArthur Foundation in Chicago. I would moved to Chicago quickly after graduation, um, and I had a nice job there. I was working in human resources. You know, the pay was great, benefits were amazing, but I wasn't loving the work. It just wasn't speaking to me. And I, I kind of panicked and understood that, you know, I, I didn't want to settle into into this type of career. Um, so I moved out west, like many people do, to Portland, Oregon, where it's the most, you know, creative um, DIY culture. And this is where I really got my hands dirty and um, discovered, you know, what it was I wanted to be
0: with my life. And that was formulating natural personal care products. So, what you're one of these people, I guess, and and I think particularly, should I say, as a woman, and that's not that's um, kind of difficult to do, isn't it? Like you're talking about here, you are in HR in this company, big company, you're comfortable. Uh, it's not so easy to jump out of that comfort level, and then, as you say, go out west and decide that right. you're going to be yeah become an entrepreneur. I mean, you have to, you have to be a risk taker, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It you know it was exciting though, and I. You know, was still young enough, I guess. And even if I had been older, you know, I still think I would have had that itch. Um, I didn't start my business until I was thirty-one, so that whole process, you know, once I did choose to move west, I didn't figure it out right away. It took some time um, and a lot of exploring. And so, yeah, definitely a risk tolerance and just this um, unwillingness
0: to settle. Yeah, unwillingness to settle. I think that's really, you know, that's what you what I hear from. Entrepreneurs like yourself, an unwillingness mm-hmm. to settle and then to do something about it and not just sit back and complain about things, which many people right. do and really push <laughs> ahead, right? Which you did. Okay, so then first thing was Schmidt's Naturals. How did that come into play? How did you, you know, what, uh, mm-hmm. that was, was that a passion? I mean, that was something you thought, oh, wow, this is like going to be a great business. I've always wanted to do this kind of a business. It really, it started as a hobby.
1: So I was pregnant at the time that I um, started experimenting with DIY recipes for uh, personal care products. Um, you know, I was very conscious of what I was using on my skin and, of course, the foods I was eating while pregnant. Um, and I wanted, you know, healthy, very clean props. So I decided to make them myself. Um, I was also on a strict budget. You know, I was a social worker at the time and didn't have a lot of money to be spending. Um, and it was fun. I really enjoyed making things and I... Um, saw a lot of opportunity in Portland to, uh, head out to the farmers markets and street festivals. It's, you know, a community that was suddenly, um, having some opportunity to sell. And at that point, still, it was just a hobby. Um, it was fun, you know, to get out and sell something I'd made with my hands and talk to the community. Um, but it didn't take long before I understood there was a real business potential in what I was doing. I had customers, you know, really raving about the products, especially the deodorant that I was making. I heard from so many people, you know, that they had never found a natural deodorant that they were happy with and that my product was truly changing their life. And so I understood like people need this product and I love doing this. So let's turn this into a
0: business. Did you, you say people are saying to you, you were out there doing it, uh, not just for fun, but not necessarily for uh, growing uh, the kind of business that you did and making the kind of money and then I guess eventually selling it, as I said, or it was acquired by Unilever Mm -hmm. in 2017, which is everyone's dream, isn't it? Start a business and then have uh, the big companies take over and buy you out. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. It was never in my thinking, you know, in those earliest days, especially out at the farmer's market, you know, I ever envisioned building the brand to the scale that I had and then being acquired. And, you know, so there was so much work that went into building it over those, you know, following seven years. Um, but I made it happen and it's just really um, pretty incredible to look back on it now and to think, you know, where it's
0: truly started, you know, as a hobby. It started as a hobby. You said you were pregnant 31 years old. How do you do that if you're talking to other w- young women who would like to be mm-hmm. in the position you are but they'd say, "Well, you know, I just had a baby or two babies or I can't do that right now because they say, you know, to to start a business like you did and to have the same kind of outcome, you have to do that 24/7. But how do you do that and also take care of your your family or your children, right. young family?" Yeah.
1: It's it's certainly not easy, but I think a lot of um, new or pregnant um, moms can identify with this this idea of you know I'm about to become a mom. What does this mean for you know my identity on a, on a personal level? And I sort of had this, I guess, for lack of a better word, panic moment of okay, you know, I am stepping into motherhood here. What does this mean for for me going forward? Because that can be all-consuming. Um, so that was really the motivation too. You know, not just making healthy products, but also for my own personal career advancement and what that might look like for me going forward. Um, you know, I really took advantage of the nap times. (laughs) A lot of moms will, while their child sleeps, um, but for me, I, I saw that as my time to work and and it was, it was
0: not easy, but if it's something that you love, you know, it just, it kind of comes naturally and it's, it's easier to pull off if you're really enjoying the work. Yeah. So we're talking about being passionate about what you're doing. You have to have that. Uh, it seems to me you have to have it, especially in the kinds of cir- what the circumstances we're talking mm-hmm. about. But what about your husband? As mm-hmm. I said in the introduction, because it sounds like he was also supportive or an equal partner in all of this. Yeah. My husband, Chris, so he's,
1: he's been amazing and you know, supporter from day one. And really what that looked like in the earliest years was just being there to, you know, tell me what I'm doing was not a, not a crazy idea. Um, also a, running errands and doing a few things for me uh, on the side to help the business. Um, and then of course, you know, his his income, it was still low. He was a social worker, but it was of course, you know, very important for the family at the time. Um, and then I brought him on uh, four years in, um, you know, full time. And then at that point we were you know, fully invested um, in the business as a family. And that was a, that was a turning point in a moment of, a fear, I guess you know, to be fully in together, um, and then from there, you know, we grew it together, and um, now you know we're doing more things together, and it's it's funny because we actually had met at a different job, um, so work has always been a you know big part of our
0: relationship. I think what's interesting is talking about one of the things that you like that you are doing now and you focus, uh, your efforts towards helping emerging entrepreneurs. So that's kind of the social worker part of you, isn't it? Here I'm successful, but now I can help you. You sort of merge these two interests together. Um, I sort of identify with that as a social worker and then doing radio, it's sort of the the same thing, uh, taking, Mm -hmm. you have two different skill sets that complement each other, uh,
1: yeah, that's interesting. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that, that certainly makes sense. Um, yeah, of course, after selling the business, I, you know, had options in front of me. We could have just been done working and moved somewhere and never be heard from again. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, you know, I did have a lot to share and so much that I could offer other entrepreneurs and people looking to do what I did. And my, my ultimate goal with, you know, all the work that I'm doing now is really to to help people understand that entrepreneurship is within reach. It doesn't have to be this scary, jargon-filled you know, thing that's um, meant for a specific type of person. I think everybody can do it, and that is what I'm here to, to help people do and understand.
0: So we're assuming that's what your book is all about, and I know here's a, a quote. Forbes says, if you have an idea, follow Schmidt's playbook. So mm-hmm. it, Forbes, Forbes is telling you to do that. So how do we follow your playbook? What's the impact? of your book, Super uh, Supermaker, Talk to us about it because um, obviously, yeah. I think, yeah, that is the playbook. I mean,
1: yeah. And I, you know, the main message of the book is is really that there is not one way to do business, right? So I'd say it's less of a playbook and more of a, um, I guess, inspirational guide uh, with, but with very tangible tools to, to put to use. So all the lessons that I give in the book are, or through my own experiences. I know a lot of business books will, you know, tell you, you have to do this, but then there's really not a lot of information to back it up or no stories to tell to explain why. And that was really important for me. in My book was to, to offer, you know, this advice through storytelling and examples from my own experience. Um, and so it's designed to, to support, you know, entrepreneurs across all industries. Um my company, Schmitz Naturals, was a consumer products company. And I think that's the most, you know, relatable type of business um, owner, uh, type of business that somebody, um, you know, might have, um, I guess, in reading the book, that's where they find the most value. But I was also very, you know, very intent on making sure that it spoke to all types of entrepreneurs and also people who aren't necessarily starting businesses, but are at a, st- a point in their career where they're kind of stuck. Um, I You know, that was really
0: important to me as well.
1: So it's, in other um, words, people who, be, yeah, people who
0: are just yeah, people are just beginning already, or just starting out, just emerging entrepreneurs, and then maybe change of life careers. You may be, what, 30, 40, 50, and want to mm-hmm. make a change. Um, and you're going to show us in the book how to do that. I mean, your book is yes. also recommended by Shark Tank's Barbara Corcoran, which is very impressive, right? She says it's the mm-hmm. secret sauce. Secret. I like that. The secret sauce for launching... And executing a successful business plan. Um, all right, let's get some more detailed about the secret sauce. What is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know,
1: there's. Um, I think some of the, the overarching messages, and there are one, you know, say yes. My 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 motto has been say yes now, then figure out how. So I try to encourage people to embrace every opportunity that comes to them. And then just dive in and, and tackle it. <laughs> you know, that can be um, there can be outcomes that don't always work in our favor. But I think ultimately, when we move forward in life and in business, that I mean, idea is really, you know, really useful. Um, also, like maintaining flexibility in business and in life is key. Uh, I think that message comes through. And um, you know, persistence. That's. I, when I look back on just my, all my, you know, especially the earliest days of my business, how persistent I was with retailers and suppliers and distributors and, and others, um, it's just, it kind of blows me away. And so I wanted to make sure that message came through strong. And um, yeah, again, I think that the real beauty of the book is that um, anybody can implement
0: these tips is there anybody you say anybody can but uh, is that really true or is there other some people who maybe shouldn't be doing this because they don't have they're not flexible they don't say yes they say no mm-hmm. and they don't persist persistence is one of those words i he- hear all the time from successful entrepreneurs mm-hmm. like yourself even older ones you know um old school so persist 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 but some people just don't do that maybe is there a point at which you have to step away from it and say, you know what, this isn't for me?
1: I encourage people to try, and I really think if you, if you're working in a business or a project that you love and you're very passionate about, I think those skills or those, I guess those attributes just come. I, I am not the person, you know. I look back at my life before I started my business, and I would never consider myself, you know, persistent or, um, you know, even just. I guess, hardworking in a lot of ways. I've always been a hard worker, but I just, you know, you surprise yourself when you are doing something that you love and when you can see the impact that you're having on other people. I think that was really what drove my business. And that's another message from the book, too, is, you know, your customer will always be first.
0: And when you hear from customers how you are impacting their lives, like that that will drive you more than anything. How do you measure success? How do you personally measure your success I, I measure mine by, by impact. Um,
1: you know, I, I consider successful at this point in my life, but I think that, that type of, or that level of success will, will fluctuate as, as I go on in my life and it'll look different, you know, every year. Um, I think it's about legacy, not just in, you know, your personal reputation, but in how many lives you're touching. And, um, I think about that through business. So, you know, for me, I, I want to have impact on other entrepreneurs and not just them, but but then ultimately on their brands and how those brands impact the industry. So I think, you know, success is is truly just a flexible word that um,
0: people need to figure out for themselves, you know, what, what that means. Jamie, what about the impediments to what you wanted to do? What would you say along the way was the biggest impediment and that you overcame, that you were able to overcome?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the technical operational side of the business is just, it's not easy, um, especially with a, a company like Schmidt, I chose to maintain manufacturing in-house where a lot of companies making products will hire outside manufacturers, but so that in itself was just a huge beast to overcome and so many things to learn, and um, I think some people can get stuck there and um, burnt out. You know, I did, um, and then along with that comes self-doubt. Um, that's a big issue and a potential roadblock for many of us. Um, advice there with the self-doubt is really just to remind yourself why you started. I kept coming back to you know, basically these two ideas. One, this was the first time in my life that I was enjoying the work that I was doing. And secondly, I was having an
0: impact. You know, cu- I, customers needed my product, and I wanted to deliver it to them, so I had to keep going. So, you there's a real connection, and at least that's what I hear you saying. You have a real connection to your customers. I mean, it uh, it's not just growing a business, making a lot of money, selling the business, making even more money. But you're passionate mm-hmm. about your business and you also are really connected to your customers
1: um yeah, that that was key, especially in my earliest days, i you know being at these markets face to face with with customers was so valuable and um, an opportunity to really understand what it is they wanted, and um, also just you know a free focus group having people right in front of me telling me you know, feedback on on the product was was amazing. What about and there, harder, yeah? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that that becomes a little harder to manage as the company scales. You know, you lose that opportunity for these face to face interactions, so you have to get creative with the way you're reaching your customers there. So you know whether it's through newsletters or polls or um, you know, social media conversations, um, but it's still so important and something that you know, companies should prioritize as
0: well. How many people do you employ now?
1: Um, Schmidt's gosh, I don't know their headcount right now, to be honest. I'm not involved operationally. Um, yeah. I do still work with the brand uh, as their spokesperson, you know, I'll always be involved as the founder. Uh, but my work is mostly uh, to help support their international expansion. Um, the team is huge when you think about, um, you know, Unilever is the parent company. So we have some employees working from there. The headquarters is still in Portland, which which I love because it was created here. And, you know, there's still some key teams operating. And, um, but this,
0: you know, in terms of headcount, I'm not sure of the exact number. So you say you're expanding internationally now. I guess the the question is, how does the pandemic or how is it affecting business, not only here at home, but internationally, if if that's what you were in the process of doing, this expansion?
1: Mm, yeah, that, that certainly has been an issue. I I had a whole press tour scheduled in Europe for this year that got postponed. And, you know, Schmidt continues to, to expand and launch. You know, we just can't support it with some of these in-person events and things, but... Um, people still want and need deodorant, you know. So that's a good thing, and um, maybe more so than ever if
0: we're stuck at home. With yeah. It all. <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs>
0: yeah. So it's it's not a question that people don't need the product, but how do you get the message out there about the product? How do you market the product in the context of this pandemic? It's different, right? You don't have the face to face kinds of stuff, so that has to be a huge challenge, or I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest the biggest challenge around that is really just
1: being delicate in the way that you sell something right now, and this is something that every brand you know has to consider. Um, marketing has has to feel different now. You know, we don't want to come on strong and convince people to, to spend their money. We just have to be more, I guess, human in our conversations and the way that we're we're talking to customers,
0: and it, it's not easy. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's not easy. So, that do you think that there'll be a whole Turnaround because the pandemic, this particular pandemic at some point will, uh, I don't want to say play itself out, but there'll be uh, mm-hmm. hopefully a vaccine and, you know, that will, but we have to be more, I guess my question is, don't we have to sort of be prepared for a whole new world order when it comes to business? Yeah. Uh, because we're going to have another pandemic. We've got this, you know, you're in Portland, Oregon. That's a, another climate catastrophe. So how does right. that fit in? Yeah.
1: I I think about, you know, brands really having to reconsider some of their offerings and um, just to make sure that we have poor products that we fall back on that are um, things that people actually need. You know, um, I think some of the other, some brands that were selling, I don't know, I guess I want to say like some of these luxury items that were more just um, kind of add on things are probably having a harder time. So really, you know, companies that have products that people actually need and want every day, I think are gonna really, you know, pull ahead. But there's we have our own challenges there too. You think about um supply chain, right? There's interruptions with supply chains, you know, across the world. Um so during this time it's it's really important that we're figuring out those issues and getting backup suppliers and, you know, making sure we are set up for, for
0: long term uh growth and sustainability. I think the point you make about uh, thinking about what what we really do need, I think that's sort of mm-hmm. been revealed, should we say, during this pandemic. What do we need? You know, some of that stuff right. that we buy that is really just stuff. And it uh, doesn't, you know, when this kind of a thing happens, we realize, hey, we don't need that stuff. And uh, we better sit down and think about what we really do need. Um, that, I think that's been, I, I know that for myself. So do we need the, you know, pocketbook or $200 pocketbook, or, you know, uh, I mean, that's just an example, but those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. Um, Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, the most practical items are (laughs) probably a safe place to be.
0: So, what's next for you? I mean, you said, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm you know most
1: excited about my book that just that just released this month. Um, so that's where most of my attention is right now. It's it's really fun to hear from people who are finishing it up and hearing their thoughts. And the feedback has just been you know really really amazing and positive. And um, so I'm very excited about that. I also have an investment fund that we didn't touch on. It's called Color. Um, I started that alongside my husband Chris, and we um, invest mostly in consumer products companies. We've expanded a bit into some tech. um, But what we really, uh, you know, what really drives us there is prioritizing investments in companies that were started by women and people of color. Uh, There's so much opportunity there that is overlooked. You know, we need to get money into the hands of of some of these founders that are um, just don't have access to it. Um, That's a driving force for us, too. And, um, you know, we have our our media company, Supermaker, which uh, we launched before the book, kind of building up that platform, and uh, through there, we, we celebrate other entrepreneurs. We have conversations around workplace issues, um, so that there's a lot of potential there uh, to continue expanding. But I just wrapped up a project called the Entrepreneurial Dream Project, uh, which Chris and I also started. Uh, when COVID-19 first, first came about, uh, we wanted to make sure that founders who were starting businesses during this time had the resources they needed to continue um, so we put together a mentor network of about 50 mentors, some really big names in there, um, including Mark Cuban, Rebecca Minkoff. Uh, we had commitments from them to help, which was really incredible. Um, and then there was also a grant piece of this. We awarded uh, two businesses $50,000 to put towards their businesses. And uh, our our goal there was really just to make sure that the, the entrepreneurial dream you know stays alive during this, this crazy difficult time.
0: It, there's no stopping you in a good way. It just seems like <laughs> you're one of these people. Uh, i assuming, <laughs> you never get bored ever. I don't see how you could. Involved in all of this stuff, and 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 your energy level is is has to be incredible. I'm just gonna. And uh, do you just tell one? I have to. I'm getting back, so we only have like a few minutes left. So, um, mm-hmm. one child or more or yes.
1: Yeah, one. He's um, 10 years old. His name's uh-huh. Oliver. And
0: he was born the same time the Schmidt business was born. He's a good investment. Uh- <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a co <laughs> founder. <laughs> <laughs> right. yep. uh, well, I, I guess that you. Um, I, Last question, maybe. What about? I mean, because you talk about the feedback from the book, for instance, and you get a lot of positive mm-hmm. feedback, and I'm sure you get a lot. Obviously, you get a lot of, pot of positive feedback in most all of the work that you're doing. What about the negative feedback? How does that help you? How does that sort of motivate you to either make changes or to go ahead, do something different, um, mm-hmm. or does it?
1: I I think back to you know.
0: When I started building Schmitz, like that's you know you you're going to
1: hear it from customers who just aren't happy with your your product, and at first I I took it all very personally and it was really hard to, to hear that somebody wasn't happy with something I you know poured my heart into and made with my hands, um, but you learn to understand that um, some things you have to shake off you know maybe not pay attention to, but if you're noticing patterns and the feedback that you're getting, then maybe there's opportunity there you know to make some changes. So I think the key is really just. Seeing if there's, there's you know, repeated feedback that maybe you could take seriously and, and you
0: know, um, put into practice or, um, you know, kind of change change up what you're doing. So, I, I welcome feedback constantly. Yeah. So, in other words, don't become defensive, which I think some people do, especially if they're passionate about what they're doing and they don't want to mm-hmm. hear the other noise. But if you, as right. you say, if there's a pattern, I think that's really important. Take a look at it. Maybe make changes. Uh, and, um that's probably key i guess to that kind of message okay what websites i mean you've listed so many different kinds of things you're doing we have a couple of mm-hmm. minutes left so what webs i'm sure there's not just one website but several that we can go to to <laughs> keep abreast of what you're doing or get involved in some of the some of the opportunities that you've just yeah. mentioned
1: best place to reach me is, is probably through my social media accounts because you can you know, link up to all my businesses there and also um, follow along with the more um, in the moment things. Um, Twitter is a great place. Um, my handle is just Jamie Schmidt. Uh, Jamie spelled J-A-I-M-E and then S-C-H-D-T.
0: Um, same with Instagram, same handle. LinkedIn is a great place too. All right. So just uh, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, um, and I also, because I know a lot of my guests, be interested in in color and, and the investment. Is there any yeah. specific?
1: Yeah, we have um, a
0: website for that.
1: Color dot capital.
0: Color dot capital. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. easy. And then I,
1: uh, yeah, yeah,
0: go
1: ahead. I was just gonna say I also have my my own website.
0: It's Jamie Schmidt dot info. Great, great talking to you today. Lots of really good information, and. uh, Title of your new book, Supermaker, Crafting Business on Your Own Terms. And we've been talking to Jamie Schmidt. She's the author and uh, refers to it as an inspirational guide. I like that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Catherine. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.